everyone, and welcome to a very, very special episode, episode four of The Last of Pods. I'm Ash Crossan. And I'm Brandon Davis, and I'm here in person yeah, with Ash Crossan. Things are looking a little different today, because this is a very special episode. If you're watching this, we are in person together, and it's wonderful. It's, it's great to see you. It's great to see this you. This is twice in one week, because just earlier this week, we were on the Warner Brothers lot hearing from James Gunn yep. about the DC slate. Yep. Now it's the end of the week. We're here to talk about The Last of Us. Yeah, and I'm going to see you in like two days again. For Ant-Man. For Ant-Man. So, you get so yeah. tired of me. I know. I am. I really am. I'm already sick of you. Um, but I'm glad you're here, because we have a very special guest joining us later in the show. Yeah, this is going to be an awesome show today. We have What we're going to do is we're going to do... We're not going to spend too much time... Uh, breaking out episode four, which I feel like is a good thing because this episode was pretty straightforward. There's still a lot, a lot I do want to talk about. Yeah. We're going to do a little faster than usual because we have Troy, Troy Baker, Baker, the original Joel Miller from The Last of Us game. Uh, this is going to be a situation where we get to meet our hero. We get to meet our hero. <laughs> and he's going to join us for an interview to talk about the show, talk about the game, talk about Last of Us Part 3, hopefully. Everything, yes. It's so exciting. Yeah, but yeah, this was a, it was a shorter episode, 45 minutes-ish. Yeah, it, after an hour and 15 minute episode, honestly, that's kind of nice, I'll say. Like, I don't need the movie length episodes every Sunday. Yeah. I like it. I'm not complaining about it. But I think, you know, a, a fast-paced episode that moves through, like, only does things that are so intentional. Every scene means something. You don't need to add more to that. Yeah. So I don't mind the, the shorter runtime. And I, I like this episode a lot because we're getting a little more into, we're kind of getting away from the infected and more into the human aspect of it mm -hmm. and how people kind of get a little Lord of the Fliesy and scary. Um, but also we see a lot more of like Joel and Ellie's bond. You know, she gets that pun book, which Easter egg, Riley gave her that in the DLC. Mm -hmm. um, but she has this like pun book and she's going over these puns with Joel and he's not laughing and he's like, oh my God. But then at the end he laughs and I'm like, oh no. Something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? They're, they're developing a love for each other. This, yeah, this feels like the pivotal episode for their relationship. Not only because the laugh seems to solidify that, that he's kind of opened up, but the moment where after Ellie saves him, she sh shoots Brian. First of all, I like that they're naming these characters because it really puts emphasis on their actions and on the fact that all these people that are NPCs in the game mm -hmm. are actually people. They have stories, they have communities, and we're diving into that with what was the Hunters in the game is a much more fleshed out group in this TV show. But after that, when they sit down, Joel sits with Ellie and like, he asks her, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Or are you all right? But it, the hesitation in his voice, first of all, wonderful delivery by Pedro Pascal on this line because you, there are two ways you can take it. One is... He's concerned for her. Mm -hmm. But the other one that I think that this is what Pedro is emphasizing, this is how I took it, is he's concerned for his concern for her. Yes. He doesn't want to care. No. And Ellie's also interesting, too, because it's like he's obviously starting to look at her kind of like Sarah and being like, are you okay? You should never have to do that. And Ellie's like, I've shot a gun before. Like, I'm not... Mm -hmm. Your daughter. Yeah, she says that that wasn't her first time killing somebody, too. Yeah. So we first thought that was her first time killing an infected a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Now we thought it was her first time killing a person, and we find out neither of those are the case. Also, in the game, she just shoots that guy point blank in the head and kills yeah. him. Yeah. He fought, like, that's in the hotel, which already happened. Yeah, he's in the like show. underwater, and she, mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah, pl playing through that again, I actually had forgotten that when you're underwater, you're tapping square. I was like, why is nothing happening? I'm tapping square, he's gonna drown me. And then Ellie shoots him and I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, the right. show's a little different when you're just not dying a hundred times yeah. in a row. Yeah, they really should have put like uh, 
sequences where a clicker just rips Joel's face off and then they just go back like a minute He's and just they're like, okay, it. just getting play again. Do it again. again, do it again. We're going back to the last checkpoint. Um, but yeah, we get we also get the character of Kathleen play, played by Melanie Linsky and mm -hmm. she's a new character. She's not in the game, but this is a little more like fleshed out of who these kind of traitors are. Yeah. Um, but also a fun little Easter egg for everybody, if you didn't notice, the guy with the beard and the gun that she's talking to, I think his name's Perry, is Jeffrey Pierce who played Tommy, mm -hmm. Gabriel Luna. In the game. Jeffrey Pierce, I feel like, is about to get, like, the, we're in the Pedro Pascal era on TikTok. I feel like that guy with, like, the hair and the beard and the rugged look is about to go viral as well. He's kind of a daddy, yeah. <laughs> I could see that happening. I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. <laughs> I, I find it really interesting because this group in the game was the Hunters, and there wasn't much depth to them. No. They were just kind of people who seemed like kind of these they products of the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had traps kind of like Bill did. Yeah. And they in pretend this, to be injured and then... Yep, and they do the exact same thing. Car, pickup truck crashes into the building. There's a shootout. Joel kills, I don't know how many people in the game. That sequence lasts for so long. You're just like, yeah. yeah. Joel kills so many people and Ellie starts killing people, shooting people from a rooftop. rooftop. Oh yeah, he gives her the, like it's a rifle. Yeah, she gets a rifle and she, he's like, if I get in trouble, cover me. So I find it interesting that like, and I think you have to do this for the emotional impact on the show. There's less killing of people and it's more intimate. Like that kid says, I'm Brian, just get me to my mom. You, it's okay, I, like you can have my knife, it's a knife knife. And then Joel uses the knife yeah. to kill him. But I think that adding that depth to these NPCs from the game shows what killing really means still. Yeah. And how, the fact that they are so desensitized to it, even when you know somebody's name, it's just kind of horrific to think about. It just emphasizes the horrors of this world and how important, again, Ellie's immunity is to possibly saving this world. Yeah, so Ka Kathleen's like, we, since we're just meeting her for the first time, she's like, thinks that Henry and Sam had something to do with her brother getting murdered. Yeah, we'll talk about Henry and Sam in like the last five minutes of the show today. Yeah. Because that I'd consider that a future spoiler. Yeah. But those are characters from the game that she's talking about. And yes, yeah, they, they think that, she thinks that Henry is responsible for her brother's death and she's going to do whatever it takes to get revenge, including, apparently, let a giant bloater just emerge and not tell anybody. Okay, this is what I was... I was it has to be a bloater That's there. what I was thinking, because it's like, they go into this room, the, the concrete is moving, and they're like, when are we going to tell the others? What could it be beyond a bloater? And then also in the trailer, we see that scene of a bloater emerging with just like a ton of infected... Exactly. Exactly. I think it's got to be a bloater, and uh, she is recklessly seeking revenge. Which bloaters are nearly impossible to kill. They're so strong. Obviously, they can break through concrete. They're a pain. Like, I throw bombs at them in the game. I shoot them. I just did the part where you go through the high school, which was this section of the game, but it was quite different because you escape through a high school, and the uh, bloater starts chasing you, and I just let the bloater live. I was like, I'm just going to run. There's uh, a point where you're playing the game where you realize you don't have to kill everybody, yeah. and you're just like, oh, I can just, like, run. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, anyway. But uh, one thing I found interesting, and this is something I want to talk to Troy about, is... When that attack happens, when the ambush happens, uh, Joel talks Joel talks to Ellie. She asks him about it. How'd you know that that was an attack? How'd you know mm. that was an ambush? And he's just like, well, I've been on both sides of it. And she asks him, like, have you killed innocent people? And he's just like, I did what I had to do to survive. I want to see Joel in those 20 years. I want to see Joel prior to Sarah's death. I'd love to see like like a lost version of Joel, where we see like the first two years of the apocalypse, where he meets Tess, where he becomes the survivor who's willing to do whatever it takes. That because obviously losing Sarah played a huge part in him becoming cold and disconnected yeah. and just like, whatever, I'm here, I don't care who you are, I'm just gonna survive. But I'd love to see that unravel 
while simultaneously showing the human Joel used to be. Yeah. When he had presumably a wife or Sarah's mother, whatever role uh, somebody played in his life. And then, you know, spending time with Sarah and the immediate fallout and his separation from Tommy. Yeah. And all that. I think that there's so much to pick at there. The, the Tommy stuff is so interesting because he, like, joined the Fireflies and then unjoined the Fireflies. And mm -hmm. there's so much there with him. Yeah, I think that the Miller family has a lot of history that would be fun to explore. And I don't think the show's gonna do it. The game doesn't really do it any more than the show does. And I think that if they ever wanna do a Last of Us spinoff or prequel, I am here for the the Joel Miller prequel series. I'd be here for it, but at the same yeah. time, I kind of like how it is. A little mystery? A little mystery. A little mystery. Maybe when the show's all said and done with, five years later, then we'll go back. Yeah. Then we'll go back. Yeah. Uh, a couple of notes I just wanna point out. I love that Ellie hates coffee. All kids hate coffee. I hated coffee. And then I worked at Starbucks and I hated coffee more. Coffee is not for me. Did you just write that yourself? Just no, now? no, my dad used What's to that? sing it to me. Wow, that's adorable. Wow. <laughs> I, but as, as kids don't drink coffee. <laughs> as an adult, I fully relate to Joel now. I'm just moving past that. I'm not. I, we, oh, I had my music moment in episode one. <laughs> Get a therapist. <laughs> uh, and Joel. Loves coffee. I feel like it's just a rite of passage as an adult. You start to like coffee, and it's the only thing that gets you through. Even even though as a kid, you think it tastes like terrible chalk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, one of the few luxuries in life. But yeah. Oh, and also another parallel to the game I want to point out is the Hank Williams tape. Yeah. That's she, the song in the trailer and all that. But yeah, she pulls out the same tape, and he's like, "Well, that's before my time." But and the magazine. And the ma it's the exact same magazine. Like, oh, it's the same cover and everything? Same cover. Oh, that's funny. And yeah. she throws it out the window, yep. too. And she plays the same joke on him. Why are the pages sticking together? Yeah. yeah she, then she throws it out the window. And all the puns. And that's like a big part of their relationship, too, is like when they're walking around and you're playing, she'll randomly start mm -hmm. saying puns. I do. Uh, we got these episodes early. Then so they were unfinished. So there's a shot in this episode. Oh, I noticed it. this. Yeah, they're going down the highway. And you can see where they stopped traffic. Yep. And then there's a bridge in the back, too, and like, oh, no, there's not a bridge. There's just another highway, and there's cars going on that highway, and they're, they, they just didn't VFX it to make it the apocalypse yet. And in the show, that same shot, now the finished version, has like a train bridge that's broken and has a train oh, hanging yeah, down, yeah. and all the cars are removed. And I was like, wow. When I saw this, it was just like somewhere in Canada. Literally, I think. yeah, just and now cars it's, driving. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be maybe somewhere in Missouri on their way to Kansas City where there's a broken down train bridge and everything. That's but so funny. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, that's that's all I pretty much have to talk about from this episode. I think yeah. I, next week's episode, I'll say this, is I think my favorite episode of the show. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I'm not going to drop any spoilers. We will talk about the game, what is next according to the game. I will try to keep my mouth as shut as possible. I promise I'll never drop spoilers for the episodes that I've already seen. But I want to get to our interview. Yes, please. I, yeah, when we come back in just a minute, guys, we are going to have the original Joel Miller himself, an absolute legend, Troy Baker on The Last of Pods. So stick with us, leave us a thumbs up, leave a five-star review in the meantime. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to The Last of Pods, the episode where we're finally together and in person. Ash, this is so exciting. This is so great. Not only because we were in person, but because as we promised at the beginning of today's show, we have the most epic guest possible. The man Troy Baker himself is here. Troy, how you doing, man? I was halfway about to get up from my seat when you said there was like, they have the wrong person. They had the most <laughs> epic? Oh my God, who is it? I am beyond excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Obviously, Thanks. we're gonna talk about one of the things that I'm most excited to talk about in my life. <laughs> I know, how do you describe the last few weeks? Cause it's, I mean, Bigger than ever. We, 
Neil Druckmann, who's of course um, one of the creators, he's at Naughty Dog, the studio that put the game out in 2013, and is now one of the showrunners for this show, this incredible, truly remarkable show on HBO, um, has just coined the best phrase, and it's the most simple, cliche, trite word, but it's, it's surreal. I had this one moment when we were shooting my episode, and I'm on set in this beautiful, very cold location. I don't know if you've ever been to Calgary, but they like invent temperatures for just to prove how cold the earth can be. <laughs> and then they throw people up there that don't belong there. And there's always that one guy, especially, you know, like on crew that just regardless, shorts. There, yes. Just shorts. <laughs> and he's one guy going, cold enough for you? I'm like, no, not, apparently not for you. But I'm sitting there and I literally have like thermals underneath. I'm so not a survivor. I was like, my, my clothes were battery operated to keep me warm. And we're sitting there and we're, we're getting, you know, cameras set up and everything and, and we're about to roll on our first shot and I'm by this beautiful river and it's cold and I just chuckled. And the person I'm next to goes, what are you laughing about? It's a very serious scene we're about to do. I was like, if you could go back 12 years to the version of me that walked into that audition on that soundstage and go, just to let you know. <laughs> this is going to be the biggest thing you've ever been in your life. And you're going to be standing here on a set of what will be, I think, one of the greatest television shows ever. I never would have believed it. I remember playing the game for the first time. Like, it's a, one of the un most unforgettable video game mo like moments of my life. I went and bought a PlayStation just for it, returned it when I was done because I couldn't Good afford man. the PlayStation. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I 72 hours to be But now I do have a PS5. I'm so, now Good I can man. afford one, so I bought sure. one. But uh, I, I mean, like, I remember watching the trailers and, like, getting so hyped, and then I still have my poster from the game that I got from GameStop on, like, I don't even know how I got it because I, I rented the game. But uh, when did it start to set in for you? that like the game was really picking up and becoming a phenomenon and people were like the story of the game not just the gameplay the story of the game was resonating with so many people those were two different beats so the story hit me when Ashley Johnson who played Ellie in the game she and I first heard the story and uh, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley brought us in and said we want to give you the same pitch that we that we gave to Sony like this is how we got to greenlight our game um, which is interesting to hear, you, you, you look back at it now and go, well, of course you would make that game. But at the time, Naughty Dog was made for, or you know, was known for making games like Uncharted was like a really big stretch for them. Um, they had done Crash Bandicoot and Jack, you know, so it's like, that's not what they do. And they wanted to do this really, really gritty, post-apocalyptic horror game um, that was about a love story. And it's like, that's not what we do. Um, so we sat down with them and they walked us through and it was about an hour long and they just beat by beat and we could see where it's like we're going to fill this in and we're going to figure out how we get here but they had the entire story laid out soup to nuts from the very beginning to the very end even to the last scene and at the time I smoked and they were like you want to guys take a break? I was like yeah, yeah, let's take a break and Ashley and I walked outside and I lit a cigarette and we just kind of both stared off blankly into the mid distance and I just said do you realize that if this thing sucks, it's because of us? Like, we are the weakest link, clearly. And we were just overwhelmed because, as a gamer myself, too, nobody was telling these stories in games. And for, for multiple reasons. It's not that nobody wanted to. It's that either the landscape wasn't available for it, the ground wasn't ripe for it, the technology didn't exist to support it, the talent within the writing and, and the directing wasn't there because uh, that's not where the focus was. That's not what gamers thought that they wanted. 
And true to form, people don't know what they want until you give it to them. But when it was something that was phenomenal, I, I still love whenever someone brings up the, uh, like someone gives me something to sign if it's the first copy, like the first run of those games, you'll see a sticker on the system, the makers of Uncharted, which was even Sony going, see, we did good things, you'll like this one too. <laughs> um, but then all of a sudden it sells crazy and it's getting all of the awards and it's it's blowing people's minds and it becomes this this social event. It becomes this cultural phenomenon, as you said. Um, that's when I knew that we had done something that was way bigger than us, way bigger than a game. And here we are 10 years later. And the stories that people have told me, um, whether they be teenagers, um, whether it's now people who were too young to play the game when it first came out, but now they've played the game, and um, people who have reconnected with their parents, uh, people who have healed their relationship with their father or their daughter, um, has been one of the greatest, I think, um, byproducts of, of this story. And to think that now that is going to proliferate to a whole group of people who didn't have a PlayStation, who wouldn't ever pick up a controller, and are now watching this every Sunday night, um, and crying all the tears that we've been doing for the last 10 years is just, like you said, it's phenomenal. I have to like hold myself back when I'm watching it with people. I'm like, that's oh, just like in the game. My <laughs> <laughs> or mom, not. Or not, right? yeah. yeah. My mom just started asking me, is this, is this how it went in the game? She just watched the Bill and Frank episode and was just like, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no like, actually all. this part, no. <laughs> not at yeah. all. Yeah. I joke and I say, you know, if you play the game, you know Frank was basically two dangling feet and a bad Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That was it, and yeah. it was a it was a kind of an afterthought. It was a, it was a footnote to who Bill was, um, and I don't think that takes away anything from the game. I think this is all about an add-on. It's it's what happens if we swing camera around and we look at it from this angle, and there's things that to me the show can do that the game couldn't, and there's things to me that also the game can do that the show can't. There is something inherently different when if you've played the game, you get to winter and you push for the first time on that analog stick, and it's not Joel. That to me is a, it's a visceral moment. Um, and it'll be exciting to see how people take those moments when we get to it in the show. Yeah, that's I was I was actually just talking to somebody about this because the, the first episode with Sarah, I'm like, you play as her in the yeah. game. So it's like such a gut punch when all that happens. Um, your performance is so integral to Joel. I'm curious when you look back, how much Joel evolved as a character as a result of you playing him? Because I always hear things like Tess was originally supposed to be an antagonist, there's like different things. Yeah. Were there any like major changes to the character that you can think of? I think everybody has their, and that, that really comes with Neil Druckmann and allowing people to put their fingerprints all over this character. And he's one of the most unique directors that I've ever worked with in the sense that he walks onto that stage not only having written the script, but also having an answer to every question that he's going to ask. And he does ask a lot of questions. Um, but if I ever came to him, and the way that we worked is I, I, we curated that, I covet it, and I've tried to proliferate that in other relationships where the night before we shoot, or the day before we shoot, or a week before we shoot, whatever, at some time I want to get on the phone with the director and I just want to ask all the high-level questions that I have. Because once you get on set, you're burning through time. And that's the most precious commodity, and it's always packed. It's never like, guys, we got loads of time to shoot this. Um, there's always a reason why we're going to fill those 8, 10, 12, 14 hour days with, with a lot of stuff. So I like to get my questions out of the way because I can slow things down. And having a director who's like, I don't know, what do you think? And 
if I say, I don't know, he's like, all right, well, I have, I have an answer here. Let's try this. But as someone who's so confident in the story that they're telling to be able to go, let's try it, see what happens. And many times I'm like, all right, good, I got that out of my system. That was awful. Please burn, burn that tape. Burn the camera that just recorded that terrible performance. And let's go with your idea. Um, but for me, the, the opportunity to have some authorship in the character. A perfect example of that is uh, Joel being a singer and Ellie being into astronauts in space. That is 100% um, the product of conversations between myself and Neil and Ashley Johnson and Neil. He sat us down at lunch one day was like, what would you have done if you hadn't gone become an actor? And I was like, well, oddly enough, I always thought I'd be a singer. I, that's how I thought I was gonna set the world on fire. You're in Nashville, so I mean, you, you understand, like that's, that there's that draw. And I, I think that at the end of the day, we're all just storytellers. We're just trying to tell our stories. Some people do it in music, some people do it in, as actors or writers um, or making coffee. I think that, that there's a way that everybody can tell their story that's not just putting ink on a page. And so I said that and kind of like, don't laugh. And he goes, what do you mean? I was like, I, I had a band and I still write music and music is my love, but it's something that I get to do recreationally now and not vocationally. And he goes, interesting. Ash, what about you? Didn't miss a beat, said it as flat as possible. He goes, astronaut. And <laughs> That's so cool. We're like, yeah, that, that actually <laughs> tracks. And so now, especially in, in Last of Us Part Two, you get that beautiful scene of seeing Ellie get to experience what that would have been like to just watch or even listen to uh, a shuttle launch. And so we're all over those characters. And uh, Tess was no exception to that as well. Be beautifully played by Annie Wershing. Um, and so much of who Tess is, the strength that uh, Tess had was absolutely imbued by, by Annie. And that's... Um, that was a, that's a big loss. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so grateful for what Anna Torv has done because now there's a new opportunity for people to see an entirely different side of that character. And I, I really hope that Annie got to see it because what Anna did was just incredible with yeah. this. What, what would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Yeah, that's a great question. A NASCAR driver. <laughs> NASCAR driver, yeah. Okay. That's why we move so fast in these things. I'm just kidding. I, 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 I don't know. The pace is perfect. <laughs> you ever been in a car with me? Oh, God. Now I don't know if I want to. Uh, I, I'm curious, because there's been various conversations, I think, about this, the, the Last of Us being adapted to movies, to shows through the decades since the game came out. Did you ever have conversations with Neil or the team about you playing the character in live action? Yeah, I mean, there's... The, conversations are always popping up. Yeah. And the thing that I really respect about Neil is he was always focused, he's still to this day, he's always focused on the thing that is in front of him. Mm -hmm. And there's the tertiary conversation of, what does this look like if we do this, and, and maybe I could do this. But even when we were shooting the first game, it was, well, we gotta set this up for a franchise. Come on, let's, let's squeeze this out for, for three games. And he goes, I have to act like this is the only game we're gonna make. And I was like, people are gonna be pissed with this ending, dude. They're gonna, they're gonna riot with this ending. And he goes, good. I just don't want them to be ambivalent. If they hate it, fine. If they love it, great. But if they don't care, that means we didn't do our job. So he's always been focused on the story that he's telling, the one that's in front of him. But when it came to, I mean, Neil's really kind. He's like, who would you want to play Joel? And I, I mean, I bounced around. Um, I remember we were talking about um, airport lounges. Uh, 
I've met Josh Brolin a handful of times, and the last time that I saw him was at LAX. And I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you remember this or not. You and I met in New Mexico briefly. I was like, I do, I do. And I said, there may come a script across your desk, and, and before you either dismiss it either way, just give, give it a look, because I, I really think that you'd benefit from playing this character, and either the character would benefit from it being played by you. And he's like, well, give it a look. What's it called? It's like, it's called The Last of Us, and it's, it's a feature film right now that's being developed. He's like, okay, I'll take a look. And what's funny is, is that I think Josh Brolin would have been a great choice. I think that there's, you look at the character, especially in the game, you go, yeah, that maps 100%. That, that Josh Brolin playing that short. But what I love is when you get someone like Craig Mazin involved and these conversations between he and Neil Druckmann go back and forth. It goes, what happens if we shake it up a little bit? And who do we get that can not only have, bring something new to it and something fresh to it, but also kind of change the character a little bit. We have an opportunity to do things differently here. And the second that Neil said, I think we got Pedro Pascal, I went, oh, oh my God, that's perfect. It's perfect. Because first of all, he's an incredibly talented actor. Mm -hmm. And secondly, everybody loves him. So <laughs> people are gonna be like, well, I ha He's our daddy. You yeah, you, you, you cannot get open him. TikTok now. <laughs> Everything on TikTok is Pedro Pascal. I, I'm now. all yep. over it. Yeah. I can't yeah. get. I can't. And I can tell voice. you this: that man, <laughs> I. There's some people where I'm like, oh, please be nice. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. just please be nice. And I love our first meeting. We were up in Calgary, and I was having dinner, and he passed behind me, and we kind of waved through the window, and he came back inside, and he stood there awkwardly, and it's like, what are we doing here, man? Are we Spider-Man point. Know, I was like, yeah, I was like, you be. <laughs> And I was like, come here, dude. And we just gave a hug and I, I pulled him away and I was like, I have so many questions for you. And he goes, I have none for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're gonna get along great. Um, he's been incredibly kind and, and incredibly gracious. And what I love is that he's not trying to ape anything that we've done before. We, we did that. We shot it, lit it, scored it, released it, everything. It's, it's already been done. For me, my goal, and I've said this countless times, is I just wanted someone to show me something different. What did I miss? What was what was underneath the floorboards, or or what rock did I not pick up? And it's it's a wonderful thing as an actor because I've never had this experience before. I, I, I can't think of any other actor that's had this experience where it's like you had kind of authorship of something and a character, you got to see it put out, and now it's being done by a completely different person. But then you also get to be involved in it. Um, Colm Wilkinson, who played uh, Jean Valjean in the original um, Les Mis, was, you know, he, he played that character for, I think, 15 or 20 years, and then retired from it, and then they brought him back, um, not only to do this beautiful tribute to the, the musical, and they lined up every person that played Jean Valjean, starting with him, and you could see the echoes of his performance in, in every character that it's done, and somehow, they're standing on his shoulders. So they have to somehow emulate something that he did. But then also in the movie, he plays the priest that Jean Valjean steals the candlesticks from. And it's just like, what a great way to pay tribute. That's the only other example I can think of that I got to do. Yeah, well you have that in this show. Like yeah. what, is it surreal when you're on set, you, you use the word surreal, you're standing there and you're like, there's Joel and Ellie, but I'm over here, like out of body. Totally. The first time that I saw Ellie walking, Ellie, 
Bella. <laughs> tell you, man. No, no you're I, right. I drive on a base uh, base camp, and you know, there's just nothing but just rows of trailers and people buzzing about and everything. It's this huge production. It's almost a thousand people. Um, is yeah, massive. It's it's the largest production I've ever ever been on. Wow. They built a neighborhood. The neighborhood <laughs> you see in episode four. They built that from scratch. Oh my God. And the reason why is because. It's if you've played the game, <laughs> they have to do some very impressive things with that neighborhood. Um, it's incredible what they were able to do, um, and in a short amount of time too. There, I cannot say enough about the crew. The, this crew worked tirelessly and passionately, and that's because they were fans of the game as well. But the first time that I drove on a base camp, and I, I get out of the car and out steps this little scrappy little teenager um, with a red t-shirt and, and messed up jeans, hair back in a ponytail and a scar on her eye. I was like, oh my, oh my God, I'm looking at Ellie. And she just kind of, same thing with me and Pedro. It's like, hey, hey. And I was like, that is Ellie. It's not someone playing Ellie. I was like, that is, I completely understand why Craig and Neil were like, her, can we, can we just, can we have her? <laughs> That's. She is an incredible, Ellie's an incredible character, first of all. Bella is an, an astounding actor, astounding actor. And I, I, I can't wait to see what they do. What, so in those moments, you've talked about how you think people are gonna hate your character coming up when you show up on the show. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> is it weird to play a part after playing Joel, which has, I mean, the character of Joel gets his own reactions, but overall I think is pretty beloved as a character. You're playing the opposite now. Sure. What's it like to kind of have to switch gears within a similar universe, even though it's a different medium? That's the gig, man. That, yeah. And that's something that I truly do enjoy. And for me, this story in this world allows for... There's, there's a comedy troupe that... Or uh, an acting troupe that a friend of mine was in, and they would literally rotate roles between cities. They're like, all right, tonight you play Hamlet. I'm going to play, you know, whatever. It's like, it, it was just this beautiful thing to know the story and like to appreciate the story from a different perspective because it is possible for an actor to just view the world and view the story from one lens. And I'm one of those people that subscribe to the theory that there are no villains. There's just a hero from a different perspective. I, I am 100% the hero of that story. And I'm living my movie of, of my own life. Um, and all these other people are, you know, they, they are the they are the antithesis of me, and they, they are the antagonist to my protagonist. Um, so being able to find, it's way more interesting to me to find the empathy in someone and try to understand their perspective, especially like that maps to reality. I think that you can't out-hate somebody, um, and that's why empathy has to be the key. I have to find a way to, number one, I have to be the problem because if you're the problem, I can't do anything about you. I can only do something about me. But mm -hmm. if I can make myself the problem and that makes it smaller, a little bit more manageable, and then if I can find a way to have empathy, then it makes the world easier to deal with. Yeah. I do want to say, I know we don't talk spoilers for the game that haven't happened on the show yet, so I'm just going to leave it at this. I know how this game ends. I was Team Joel the whole time. Mm. I'm just saying, I know it might be a controversial take. I, I was Team Joel. Oh, it's Team Joel. Does Team Joel, I get to flip the script, does Team Joel mean team decision? Oh yeah, I was with the, I, I, I think if I was in that position, I, 
I don't know. Hopefully, I never am. But I'm I'd be say, dead September 29th. Oh, well, if I'm hundred. Let's just. Somebody asked me, "Is like, would you wait to turn if you were bitten?" I was like, "You think I get bitten? Yeah. I am." 1201, I am a corpse. There is no me. But you don't think the game prepared? I watched The Walking Dead for 10 years now. I've played sure. through the last one, so I feel like a little bit I'm ready. Walking Dead, you're like, if I have a baseball bat and enough of a heads up, I can make it 12 minutes. That's true. I, that's, that's <laughs> the yeah, they're slow, they're much slower. That's they're the thing with slower. The Last of Us is like, it's not really the infected that are the biggest threat, it's the people. It's the, the whole Lord of the Flies thing. I am not, I am weak. I will not last. Well, this is something that we get to see in Sunday night's episode as well. Is yeah. What does it look like? Like, um, when you oppress people for that long and they finally rise up and the irony of what happens to the oppressed once they are now put in the position of the oppressor and how quickly we can see those roles develop um, and we see that within Melanie Linsky's character Kathleen and certainly within her right hand man Perry played by Jeffrey Pierce who played Tommy, Tommy. in the game. Yeah. God, what a setup. Oh. <laughs> Love it. There's like plenty of allusions to Joel having a dark past. He's killed people before. He's done some things that might put him on, you know, Joel sees himself as a good guy because he's his own protagonist, but if you saw his actions, you might not know. I love to hear how much of Joel's like past that we didn't see in the game, but we don't see in the show. Did you get to like flesh out? Do you have a headcanon of that you've just worked out over the years? Yes, and it's a wonderful, um, I think it's a wonderful exercise for an actor to come in, come in with a backstory. If it's not there on the page, then make something up if it's necessary. If you're playing the, <laughs> uh, when I first started off, um, someone has become a dear friend of mine and, and took me under his wing, and I'm grateful that he did because I, I needed a wing to be taken under. Um, it was Lou Diamond Phillips, and we we're talking about. I was like. You're coming up with characters and all these things. He's like, hey man, if your job is to bring somebody a glass of water, you don't need a backstory for it. I was like, you're right. So sometimes it's okay. You, I, I, I know that I have, would have the tendency to kind of fill my head up too much, um, but everything should be motivated. Every decision that you make as an actor should be motivated by something. So if there's nothing there on the page that you're finding that's motivating you, make something up. And if it conflicts with the character, then that's the director's responsibility to tell you that. Um, but there's a lot. There was a shoot that we did, nobody knows about. How about I get in trouble for saying this? Um, in between part one and part two, where we were just kind of testing out some new tech, and so just Neil and I went down to a different stage than we shot on down in, in uh, San Diego, and he was like, I wanna do a couple of scenes from this because I don't really have anything written so far, but I have an idea of a scene for this. Are you comfortable just kind of running a scene by yourself? I was like, sure. And so there's a scene in that we just kind of made up on, on, on the fly about Joel going into a bar. And so there are all of these backstory moments that we get to find out what happened. Where, where's Sarah's mom? Um, what happened to that relationship? What is the schism between he and Tommy? And the thing that I love about the show is, whereas in the game, the story is fundamental and it is foundational to the experience. But at the end of the day, it is a game. We need to do things that prompt the player and pull the player forward in the game. Um, and the use of story as a, as a mechanic for that is, is perfect. But a show, first of all, we're controlling where you're looking the entire time. So we have the opportunity to go, look over here for a second. And if we, if we put the camera over here, we promise you that we'll make it compelling. Like we're gonna slow down and take you 
to a 20 year time lapse between Bill and Frank, a character relationship you didn't think you cared anything about. But now it's the number, you'll never look at strawberries the same way again. <laughs> this is what the show has the ability to do. And that also says, well, let's take a look at Joel's backstory and let's, let's learn more about that. And that is, there's a beautiful thing that happens as you see now, like in the game, they went from Boston to Pittsburgh. In the show, we go from Boston to Kansas City. And one of the main reasons why is because Craig Mason was like, that's not far enough. These people have to go through this huge relationship evolution and you have them go two, you know, two, two hours? No. How long do we have? We have hours in this car together. If you've ever gone on a, on a road trip with someone that you're not cool with, <laughs> That is the that is, Iron Maiden put me in, in just like a casket of, of just, it's the worst torture <laughs> I could possibly think of. Would you be interested in exploring that more of that backstory? Like if they did a prequel season or maybe a prequel game? The Last of Us Part Zero. Yes. As, yeah. Look, one of the things that I think is um, evidence that this is art. I think true art inspires other art and it inspires artists. Um, there are so many people that picked up the oboe because they heard you know, that cue that John Williams wrote for Star Wars when two suns were setting, and they're like, I wanna play th that instrument. So I think that's art, is when, um, how many people you know, started putting a chisel to Marvel after they saw the David. It's like, that is art. And I, I do put The Last of Us, the story, because I've, I've seen the evidence of it. I've seen people go, I've written my college thesis on this, mm -hmm. or I'm now in games. I'm now working at Naughty Dog because wow. of this game. Half of the people that work at Naughty Dog are because they're there because of The Last of Us. People that were in working on the show because of The Last of Us. There's just this, this byproduct, again, that happens when people get inspired by something, they get moved by something that they want to be a part of making something. And so a lot of people have approached me and are like, hey, this is a non-canonical story that I was inspired to write because of The Last of Us. Would you want to be a part of it? My whole thing is this, and people always ask, is there going to be a Last of Us Part 3? I have no idea, no idea. I didn't know there was going to be a Part 2. <laughs> there he goes. But if Neil has a story that he wants to tell, um, and he wants me to be a part of it in any way, I am there seven days a week and twice on Sunday. I, I, I absolutely would, would follow him, and I have. I've followed him to the gates of hell and back and bought ice cream. Um, <laughs> I love your little isms. <laughs> uh, that's the Texas boy in me, which is actually, I don't even remember, I don't remember there being anything in the audition sides, and maybe Neil could correct me on this, that said Joel was from Texas. It was just, when I looked at that character, I walked in, and boy, if you, you can Google it, it's not, my genes reflected light. It was not good. This was like 2008, 2009. That's your audition tape? Yeah, so like Ed Hardy was still mildly acceptable on some <laughs> social levels. Mm -hmm. um, and if they were sold out, you had affliction, it was not good. There was just, there was a lot of writing on all of my clothes. And I had this Final Fantasy haircut and I walked in and Neil's like, I was, I was so angry that my I was a huge fan of Uncharted, I was a huge fan of Naughty Dog, and my agent's like, I got you an audition for Naughty Dog. I was like, nailing it, awesome, what's it for? And she goes, I'm sending the audition slides through right now. And I was driving down to go have Thanksgiving dinner with a friend of mine, and I was like, I, I'm so angry with you right now because I'm so not right for this role. So not right for this. 
but I show up and I walk in. This is the soundstage on Culver Studios. Um, that's, I mean, historic lot. And the soundstage, there was an office right next to it, and that's where they were holding auditions, and they would walk you into the soundstage, and there's where you would do the thing. And I walk in, and I look around the room, and in every chair in the waiting room was some version of the guy on the page. And I'm like... I'm, I can't do this. <laughs> I instantly got filled with fear, doubt, everything. And there's a sign-in sheet. And you go in and you sign your name and they look to see, okay, so we're ready for you. And I was like, I haven't signed in yet. I could leave and nobody would know. Nobody would know. And I literally put my hand on the door and I twist the knob and I'm turning to go and the casting director goes, Troy? I went, yeah. She goes, they're ready for you. I'm like, guys, just get in the door. Yeah, let's, just let's, let's it, go. It works. And you were that close to not being Joel. Yeah. That's unreal. That close. And I, I think about that moment a lot. Um, because again, this thing has changed my life. And not only that, but I would, I would still be watching it. I would still be playing it. Um, but I would definitely be on the outside and not where I am right now. Has this has the, the release of the game and the phenomenon that it became like has have you would you say that is like the pivotal moment in your career? Have you noticed opportunities started coming in after that? What, what? De definitely once the game got released people were like well ho 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 you know and they start yeah. you know the phone rang more often than it had before um, but for me the pivotal moment was when I was sitting in my sitting on the balcony of my Hollywood North Hollywood apartment has a very important distinction if you live in California between saying Hollywood apartment and North Hollywood. Very different. There's a little bit of status where you're like, hey, oh. <laughs> um, not to discredit anybody that lives in North Hollywood, but that's just where I was at in my life. I was, I was not, it was not a great apartment building, um, but that's where I was. And I'm sitting out there and I just had this epiphany where I was, I was no longer wondering where I was going to get my next job. And it didn't mean that my calendar was filled with appointments. It just meant that I was no longer worried about it. And I realized that I had a career. I didn't have a job. Mm. And I think there's a lot of actors that try to worry about when they're going to get their next job. We even joke about it. It's like, well, i got to go out and get a job. Um, but I, I, I decided then and there that I was not going to try to get a job. I was just going to try to craft a career. And the thing that I covet the most are my relationships. And there's been plenty of times when I've walked in to where I say, I'm, you know, I'm not the guy, but I can tell you who would be great at this. And I actually think you should call so-and-so or that they will, they will crush this. If there's anything for me, absolutely, but maybe wow. we'll catch on the next one. And those relationships to me have, have um, been the ones that have lasted and the ones that I'm trying to get something off of them. Um, th those are the ones that fell by the wayside. Wow. Yeah. I always like when the people that mention your name when you're not in the room are oh, like yeah. the best people. Yeah, it's a well similar said, side of it too. Yeah. yeah, we have like our friends that we prop up and I like I'll like I'll be like, Hey, Kevin so McCarthy's great, you know. Yeah. yeah, I'll be like Ash is a mate. Like yeah, we've we shout out our friends and build some awesome relationships in this industry as well. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a huge comic book fan, comicbook.com. I look through your IMDb, you've done Batman, you've done the Hulk, you've yeah. done all kinds of comic book characters. Ash and I just went to the Warner Brothers lot, sat through the uh, presentation for the DC slate. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting across from you, I'm like, hold on, is this Booster Gold in front of me? I don't know. But I w I'd wow. love to hear it. Have you ever talked to somebody about like a, co a live action comic book role? Because I'm just saying Booster Gold could be right there. Wow, what a pull. 
No. There's... You talked to Thanos about Joel. You're true. <laughs> <laughs> um, how funny. I, I, I never put that together. Um, growing up reading comic books as a kid, like that was my... Comic books, cartoons, and video games. Those are the three things. And, and then music became a counterpart to that as well. But sports were not in the cards for me. And it's funny, I was just talking to a director about this, how he was like, you gotta take this test. And this is like a personality test and really tell you a lot about yourself. And so as I'm taking this test, 144 questions. I was like, I found myself going, well, when I was in my 20s, I would have answered it this way. But there's like this kind of like market delineation and demarcation where I'm like, I'm not really that person anymore. Um, and I think that I still sometimes view myself as the skinny dude with the bleached blonde hair that walked in wearing affliction, you know, into an audition for a, a ruthless survivor. It's, it's meant like, to be a t-shirt, uh, not a chandelier. Yeah, I feel like this thing where you like shot, shoot up at the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I can't believe Mainly I'm because freaking Ed Hardy like, shirt to my audition. Yeah, Neil is like, I'll never let you forget that, by the way. Um, but I think that there's sometimes when I when I I try to view myself as who I am now um, versus who I was. Um, so I look at myself as like, dude, I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. Um, but then I'm like, why not? There's no, there's nothing stopping me. There's there's um, there's there's something that I'm getting ready for right now. And one of the things that I want to do is like, how physically scary can I get? Like, can I can I just push my body and within safety? Um, but I want to see if I can't just change my body type to where um, I got really inspired by uh, J.K. Simmons and what he did in Whiplash. That oh, had yeah. nothing to do Amazing. with the character, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't like, here's what I need you to do, J.K. I need you to get in. Your biceps are going to be bigger than your head. <laughs> he was like, I just wanted to do this. I wanted to see if I could do it. And it became this physical imposition without doing anything. No affectation whatsoever. I was like, that's inspiring. Could I do something like that? Um, I've talked famously about this. Um, I every every kid finds like their niche superhero. You know, some people are Superman. Batman mm -hmm. was definitely something that I was drawn to. But the one that I like, that was my soap opera. The one that I just serialized in and, and like poured over was Daredevil. And <laughs> Daredevil is the one that I want to see. That we've seen it done as a movie. And we've seen him appear in games, but I want to see what a Daredevil game looks like. Ooh. Even just as a player. Because the reason why we play games is because that character can do something that I can't. What happens when you can do something the character can't? And I think that's a really interesting notion. Um, and I don't care. I don't care if that's me either playing it, in it, directing it. I don't care. I just want to see that game be made. Um, I think this is a really good opportunity to tell an interesting story in that way. And that similar sonar-like hearing that Joel has, Dude. too. It's, they're already crossing. Yeah. See? <laughs> I like your pitch. Oh, there I it is. Like your pitch. I like your pitch, yeah. sir. Well, uh, Troy, thank you so much for hanging out with us on The Last of Pods. Yeah, this has been awesome. This is awesome, man. And uh, everybody, we'll be back in just a minute to talk about spoilers from the game. But everybody, leave a comment. Thank Troy Baker for joining us on The Last of Pods. This is a dream for me. I know, Ash, I know this means a lot to you. It does. So can't thank you enough for coming <laughs> hanging out with us, Troy. Truly been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to The Last of Pods, everybody. What an epic episode this is. This is... This is my favorite one so far. Honestly. Where you get to be in person, we get to be with Troy Baker. That's right. Um, 
Unreal. How are we going to talk Tell about myself it? of 10 years ago that I had to basically steal a PlayStation. Oh, he was amazing, too. <laughs> I get to sit with Troy. He, was he so lives cool. up to expectations. He was He's awesome. He's got so many stories. It's yeah. so great. I'm, 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 I'm actually going to follow I'm wrapping uh, this up quickly so I can chase him out. Yeah, yeah, see yeah. We'll just follow him. Well, let's really quickly I'm do this. I'm is, not going to do that. <laughs> we'll really quickly do the part of the show. Now, this is the spoilers for the game. So if you are not interested in hearing what happens next in the game, go away. And we also have a very cool announcement for the very end of this episode as well. Okay, yeah, let's so, do that. Let's do that at the very end. Let's you gotta stick with us till the end. Till so. the end, okay, so in the, at the end of the episode they meet Henry and Sam, which we know are um, pivotal characters in the game. Yep, yep, and just like everyone else, they die. They meet a brutal... It's really tough. This is one of the tougher moments in the game. Yeah. Because Bill and Frank were not as fleshed out in the game. So Henry and Sam and their relationship to each other and the fact that not only do they die, but the fashion in which they die is pretty horrific. Yeah. So Sam is the one who gets infected. infected. Ellie, wa the Ellie wakes up. Henry's like, go get, go wake him up. I let him sleep in. And he's infected. And then... Henry has to shoot his brother. Yeah, it's about as dark as it could possibly get. Henry has to shoot his brother. And, and then shoot. obviously they blame Joel and Ellie for like, oh, if we never even ran into you guys, none of this would have happened. This is your guys' fault. Yeah, and you got like, it's just, well, they got to carry that weight now. And now we get to see that play out, and I wonder if it's going to be any different. <sighs> I feel like, like this show just wants to hurt us. This game just hurts us the whole time. I, honestly, when I think of Last of Us Part Two, I'm like, I get like, I feel like grief just because it's like, I know how, what's coming and just like... I'm so curious how they're going to do that. I, I'm still trying to... I haven't yeah, really we're not talking about too Last much of Us feedback 2. about Last of Us 2 yet, so I'm saving those boys. If you know, you know. If you want to find it, you can find it. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But there's parts of Part 2 that I'm just like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. And, and not Walking Dead it with, like, Negan. Yeah. Like, it's just tough. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But, but yeah, that's pretty... That's what's next. That's, that's what you... Sh those, that's the equivalent of what's next in the story based on the game. Uh, and... On that note, Henry himself, Lamar Johnson, is going to be with us on The Last of Pods next week. Yes! So we're going back-to-back -back with epic guests, yep. and we have another epic guest. We're going to save this announcement for yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I want to make sure it pans episode. out, but yeah. 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 <laughs> but we have some really cool stuff panned out and that planned out because uh, you guys keep listening and watching, and that your support is helping us do this, so thank you for that. Ash, thank you. I, I got to come. I, I am in L.A. for a whole, like, four hours just I to know, record this episode. I know. This is, thank you for coming. No, this was awesome. I had thank to drive all the this. way from Santa Monica, so it was a little hard for me, too. <laughs> oh, you had to, I had to take two <laughs> planes, an Uber. Yeah. No, this was awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for subscribing to The Last of Pods. If you don't mind dropping a five-star review, that would be awesome. And send your love to Troy Baker across social media. Let him know yes. how much fun you had listening to that interview. That was awesome. That was awesome. We'll see you next week. Thank you.